The Lady Parts Doctor podcast is a health podcast focusing on issues that affect women and those assigned female at birth. However, it is for everyone. I provide medical empowerment for those who feel unseen or unheard. This is our safe place to talk about the things that matter to you involving your spiritual, mental, and physical health. It's not medical advice, it's medical information. We talk, and I give you the evidence with a little bit of my personal and professional experience sprinkled in. So grab your water, tea, coffee, wine, whatever it is, you know I have my water bottle. And let's go. Welcome to the Lady Parts Doctor podcast. I'm Dr. Stephanie Hack, the Lady Parts Doctor, and I am so thankful that you are joining me today because I love it when we chat and we have been going strong with our focus on maternal mental health this month. Yes, I know maternal mental health is not the only thing going on. There is regular old mental health, okay, which is not regular at all. And many of the things that we are discussing apply to mental health as well. We're sharing a lot of golden nuggets as we will continue to do so in this podcast today. But we've had just such great conversations and I'm happy that we are continuing them because I really want this to be information that you can take with you. I want you to know this because inevitably, if not you, someone in your life will need this information and I want you to have a resource to be able to say, you know, I heard of like, why don't you go listen to this? This might be helpful as far as kind of sending them in the right direction and giving them more information to empower them. So, you know, I love it when we can empower ourselves and then we can also help others empower themselves. With that said, today we are continuing the conversation of maternal mental health with a special guest. I have on today's podcast, Dr. Nicole Kumi. Dr. Kumi is the CEO and founder of Kumi Training and Development, a maternal wellness organization that specializes in perinatal transitional coaching. After years working in community behavioral health, providing training and education around mental health challenges, Dr. Kumi found herself on the other side of the behavioral health care system. when she was diagnosed with postpartum depression in 2018. It was during this time that she realized how little discussion there was around perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. When she was able to improve her own mental and emotional health, she felt called to action, developing perinatal transitional coaching and publishing her first book, Postpartum My Language. So Today, you're just going to tune into a chat. We're going to talk about a lot of different stuff. And you know me, I will pop in to give explanations as needed and to give a little more information and my take as I always do. But I really want you to just kind of relax and listen. And as always, when the questions come up, reach out to me and let me know. All right, let's listen. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Lady Parts Doctor podcast. And I am so happy to have our special guest today, Dr. Nicole Kumi. Welcome. Thank you. So happy to be here. I appreciate it. I'm so happy to have you on because this is such an important topic. You know, you and I have been talking a lot offline about it, but it is just something that new moms, new birthing people, new parents don't understand or don't know about because we don't talk about it enough. So I'm happy to have you here to continue to elevate the voices of our new parents and just to continue to share your knowledge about the subject. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. So can you tell me a little bit about how you came to behavioral health in general? Sure. Um, So it's interesting. I come from the land of criminal justice, uh, working with incarcerated youth. And had kind of gotten burned out, was looking to actually start a family and realized I needed to step away from that setting in order to kind of take care of my body, take care of my mental health. So I transitioned into community behavioral health and working with individuals with severe and persistent mental illness. And I stepped into a role where I was training other staff um, on how to look for the signs and symptoms associated with mental health challenges was doing that for a couple of years, felt really good working to 
destigmatize people with mental health disorders, increase the awareness um, that they're individuals like anybody else that are just kind of facing some significant challenges, linking people to resources, just a lot of really good work, empowering people, offering that validation. During that time in that position, I got married and I was pregnant with my first child and I was so excited and was, you know, kind of all the things, everything was feeling really good. And I was preparing myself physically for Mm -hmm. the birth of my daughter. I was seeing my OB a lot. I was um, considered elderly or geriatric. I was pregnant at 35. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was kind of a a blow to the gut that felt a little hostile. Um, (laughs) Didn't anticipate that, but I was, I was taking care of myself. I was eating well, I was working out, I was going to all of my appointments and I felt like I was ready. Um, I got the books, I got all the baby stuff and nothing went as planned. And I think the more you learn, the more you know. And Mm -hmm. there was probably some trauma associated with with my birth. I went in for an induction at 40 weeks. My body didn't work, uh, was probably what was told to me um, a few times in that process. I was not dilating with the standard methods. And there was a lot of options. You know, we can try this, we can try that. Mm -hmm. I was a new mom. I I didn't know that this could even happen. I figured you either went into labor or labor was induced and then you had your baby. Mm-hmm. So I went through a series of events. Um, I ended up having, as you're fully aware, a fully bulb, a fully bulb procedure uh, done. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, because I'm like, Hey, let's do anything to kind of get this baby out. I had that done before I was given an epidural. Um, I wasn't okay. really too sure. That was an experience kind of a traumatizing one. I think for myself and my husband too, who was just kind of sitting along as a bystander in this room. That worked. It got me into about six centimeters and then nothing for another 12 hours. So Mm -hmm. day three, um, we all decided to have a C-section and I was okay with that. I I know a lot of your induction. Yes. Okay. (laughs) It was, it was kind of like, we can do the C-section or you can go home. And then if things progress, you can come back. I was exhausted. I hadn't eaten anything since I had gotten the epidural um, after the Foley bulb procedure. Mm -hmm. So we said, let's just, let's go for it. Let's get the baby out. Let's get healthy, you know? Um, And thankfully I didn't have any feelings against a C-section. I understood Mm -hmm. that was an option. I was fine. I rolled with it. I just, I wanted to have my baby and try to get some sleep. Right. I mean, that, it had been over know, 48 hours. So yes, I imagine you were like, let's so just difficult. <laughs> continue yeah, the process. Just, I just want my baby. I don't want to go home and have to come back right. and do all of this. So and I want to eat. It was silly. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was starving. Um, yeah. And, you know, it was my, so I ended up having my daughter on January 7th, which was also my husband's birthday. Okay. Um, so that was fun. We were in the hospital for all of that. But I think there was a lot of trauma there that I didn't even realize. I want to take a moment here to speak about traumatic birth experiences because birth trauma is a real thing. And I have to say that it's not something that we think about, but as an OBGYN, I can say I know it's something that some of my patients have experienced. And even myself, I believe I had some birth trauma with one of my births as well. A meta-analysis by Yildiz et al. found the mean prevalence of the average prevalence of post-traumatic stress disorder in relation to birth trauma in community samples was about 4% and then 18.5% in high-risk groups. 18.5% is almost 20%. You know, that's almost one in five. That's pretty high in the high-risk groups. Risk factors include prior mental health disorders, poor quality of provider interaction, and being a survivor of sexual abuse. And as you hear more and more stories about people having poor experiences with their birth provider, their healthcare provider during childbirth, you could imagine how that could be traumatic for them. And I think many things contribute to that, but one of those is a lack of information and a lack of understanding and mix-matched expectations. So it definitely is an opportunity for growth and an opportunity for improvement for us in the healthcare system to provide a better birth experience and an opportunity for you and new mothers and birthing people to prepare themselves 
by doing as much as they can to have a better understanding of what they're stepping into. But I just have to take a moment to speak on birth trauma because I hear sometimes people try to act like, oh, whatever, like women have been having babies this whole time. It's been fine. But like, no, women and birthing people have been traumatized. So we're not going to make light of that. Okay, let's keep going. I was just so excited to be a mom. I brought her home. We fell into a routine and I thought things were okay until they weren't okay. I'd say probably at the six month mark is where I started to notice some of those signs and symptoms that I ironically had been telling other people to look for Mm. when working with individuals Mm -hmm. with a mental health challenge. And I, I went back to work at the three month mark and I was pumping and I was, was Mm -hmm. not sleeping and I was fighting a good fight. I was really trying to take care of myself and I was really trying to put this face on, like I had it together because I didn't know anybody that didn't have it together. Right. You're doing all the things, all the things that you think you're supposed to do, all of the things that you are supposed to do because you still have a new baby to take care of. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I was, I was putting on that good face and, you know, I was, my husband was working a lot. He'd be coming home in the evenings and the house looked okay. There was food on the table. So he never thought anything of it. Mm. And I had to be that strong wife, right? I had to be that strong mom. This is many women before me have done this. So and are still I doing it myself. <laughs> Amen. Right. Amen. Yeah. And I really neglected myself. I just have to take a moment here to comment on this because I think that for many of you listening, you are probably nodding your head like, yep, yep, yes, because that's exactly what I was doing. We take on so much on our plates as women in this culture. And it's not to say that our partners don't either. I'm just speaking about what we take on. There is so much to do. You are trying to maintain the household and take care of the baby. And you are just filling, filling, filling your plate. And your plate is either going to overflow or your plate is going to break. And that's just how it is. So we're going to keep listening to see how she worked through it and how she found things out. But this is just such a common experience that I had to comment on it, especially as someone who's coming out of postpartum herself. The turning point for me was I was seeing my chiropractor a lot during Mm -hmm. this time and a lot of upper back neck issues, which Mm -hmm. I attributed to sleeping poorly. I was nursing, which is not always a really great position to be sitting in, especially at two in the morning. Um, And I had been seeing him a lot and such a great guy and and a really, I don't know. I think he, he, he doesn't know the impact he had. I mean, I, I eventually told him, but he asked me one day, he said, you know, I always enjoy seeing you. He said, but I feel like I've been seeing you a lot this month. And I said, yeah, I don't know. I'm just like sleeping mm. really funny. And he said to me, what is going on at home? Mm. And I said, you know, I just, and I lost it. I cried and cried and that like ugly needed to come out kind of a cry. Yeah. In my chiropractor's small little office. And I tell people, you know, I, I got up and it was like, oh my gosh. And I wiped my face and, and I, of course I apologized, right? Because who does this? Right. And, and that's what we do. We apologize for everything. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I, I got to go. I have to figure things out. And he just kind of stopped me. And he was like, first of all, don't ever apologize. He said, second of all, what are we going to do about this? And I mean, hat is off to him. Dr. Pollock, if you ever ch- tune in and listen to this, I mean, he, he yeah. asked the right question, right? It was that open-ended, gave me an area and a safe space to really just dump it out there. Mm. T- talk about a full plate. This just makes me think back to the patients that I would see in the office who, when they would come in for that postpartum visit at six weeks, you say, hey, how's it going? You know, how are you doing? And they would just burst into tears. And that first eight weeks is really, in my mind, the toughest period. You are going through the most adjustments. You are beginning the nursing or just figuring out how to get baby to feed and hoping that baby is able to feed well and really concerned about weight gain among everything else. But that plate is 
fullest <laughs> in that period. Let's keep listening to her story. It was the turning point in me deciding, like, you can't ignore this anymore, Nicole. You've got to do something. You've got to get some help. And Dr. Hack, I had no idea where to start. I didn't know who to contact. I I didn't call my OB because I had I wasn't seeing them for another eight months, right? Yeah, I, I already yeah. had my checkup. My pediatrician, like that didn't make sense. So here mm -hmm. I am in the behavioral healthcare field mm. and I have no idea where to start to look for services. And like, that's so crazy. Yet I think that is an experience that so many people have. I'm like, what is the expectation? If the groundwork has not been laid during the pregnancy about you know, when to check in and what the concern is, why would you ever know that? And right, you're in the field. So what are we expecting people who have absolutely no access and are discovering this, these feelings for the first time? I want to know from you, there are so many things that you said that I want to comment on, but mm -hmm. I want to know from you, as you said, that you kind of had started to experience the symptoms before you had that moment with your chiropractor. What were some of the things that you had started to kind of experience? What were those symptoms? I think for me, um, there was like thoughts of regret, a lot of regret for having, like, why did I make this decision? Um, or it wasn't have going a baby? the way. Yeah. Or just in general about anything. Just, I think having a baby and just in general, like I yeah. felt very, I felt very untethered. Like there was nothing mm -hmm. that was keeping me grounded at that time. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of resentment, I think, towards mm -hmm. my husband um, oh, yeah. because he he went to work every day. And I mean, here he is just doing what he knows best. Like I'm getting up, I'm helping my wife, I'm going to work. Right. But he had an hour long commute and he was alone. He was alone in that car. He got right. alone time. Right. You know, he was well, working. I'm feeling this in my yes. soul. <laughs> right. I mean, because it's so real. And it's yeah. like, it, it was so much easier to be mad at him for not having to sacrifice what I had to sacrifice. And like, I'm going to work every day with six bags, I'm pumping and certain days I'm getting like two ounces. And now it's like, look at you, Nicole, like your, your body didn't work in, in delivery. It's not working now. Now you're going to have to get formula, but you can't even tell people that because you're supposed to breastfeed. Yep. All of these kind of irrational thoughts really started to come into my mind. And I remember at one point, just, I went up, I went to get up and get a workout in and my daughter woke up and it was like, I, I can't do anything. I mean, I am, I am stuck to her and he, there he is just out the door. Goodbye. Have a great day. Mm -hmm. So I think it was like the feelings of resentment. And then one day I, I don't even remember when this was, but I just remember looking in the mirror and thinking like, she might be better off without me. Like she might be better mm. off with insurance money or, oh, I get emotional even thinking about that because it's like, that was not like a positive thought. And that wasn't even my reality, right? right? My reality was that I was in love with her. I was <clears> so <throat> happy, but there was that fleeting thought. And like, when that happened, I was like, oh, oh my gosh, Nicole, like, I didn't think about harming myself. I didn't ever think about harming her, but it was just like that one thought of maybe if I wasn't here. And then of course it was coupled with like the, but then nobody will take care of her and nothing will get done. So like, I have to stay here. Right. Yeah. So it the was fact that you of, had that thought in that yeah, moment for this scary. baby that you highly desired, it's real. It is. And it's not something that anybody talked to me about. Right beforehand. While some of us have these negative thought processes in general, this negative thinking, this continued negative thinking that kind of spirals with continued negative thinking is a hallmark of postpartum depression and something that she had the self-awareness to identify. For me, awareness was everything because with any procedure, anything that happens in life, if you have a little bit of awareness of what might come with it, mm -hmm. you don't feel so alone. You don't feel so scared. Um, right. Or that, that fear of like telling somebody, Hey, I, I thought this. And you know, they're like, what are you nuts? Like, well, how would you think that they might say lots of moms think that. Right. But I didn't have any of that. No conversation was had about 
my mental health during my pregnancy. Did you and have any after. friends that were going through it with you at the same time? Yeah. So you didn't have no. the support system no. in place. Yeah. And even afterwards, I remember when the light, you know, the clouds parted and a little bit of light came through and I started to talk about it. So many of my friends were like, that happened to me too. Mm. And it wasn't validating at all. It was infuriating because Mm -hmm. why are we still just rolling like nothing has changed? Like we've had babies, our entire lives have changed. Our emotional mental health has been uprooted. Right. And we're just sitting here smiling at each other, pretending like we're not falling apart inside. Right. Because that's what we have done since the dawn of time. Just add a little more to my plate. I'll figure it out. Add a little more, add a little more. Yeah. Yeah. And then we break and then people are looking at us like, oh my goodness, she looked fine. She looked, of course, because I'm, I know how to do that. I'm conditioned to do that. Right. As women, we are, you, I cried in the doctor's office and then apologized because that's what you're supposed to do. So I think there was, there was a lot of moments where I was, I was mad and I was, I was mad at the moms before me that didn't talk enough about it. Mm -hmm. I was mad at my friends that went through it and never said, Hey, I'm drowning or I don't feel well. Mm-hmm. And it really started to give me a, a unique perspective. Like, okay, you went through this for a reason. You didn't just go through this to become a strong woman. You're, you are a strong woman. Mm-hmm. There was a purpose for this experience. And I needed to find out what that purpose was mm-hmm. and give back somehow. And I think that was the moment that I, I said, I want to do stuff with maternal health. I love my job. I love my organization. I love the work that I do, but I was really feeling called somewhere else, really feeling pulled Mm -hmm. because this can't continue Mm -hmm. like this. We cannot continue to neglect moms. We're essential to the functioning of our families. Yes. 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 But we're not (laughs) being treated as such. Right. And we're not treating ourselves as such. And I feel like right now there. is the time, right? Now is the time to start making the shift. Yes. So tell me then when you were in that moment and you had that epiphany and then you said, okay, I have no resources. What did you do? What was, cause I think that's going to be helpful for people who are in that moment right now, listening and saying, that's me. What did you do? Yeah. So I got on Google and I got on psychology today mm-hmm. and I searched for a therapist in my zip code and I was able to filter for like women um, working with women or postpartum okay women and I thought oh perfect right this wasn't that hard I got a therapist we met a couple times and it just it was not what I intended it to Mm. be and I think that's common it is right and I think it's also the piece too like it it is common so it's okay and it doesn't mean that you stop there. But right. I did. I stopped there because I was already feeling pretty bad. I felt like my time was minimal. And I was mm. driving at that time in 2018, we were still in person. And I was driving and I was meeting with them. And it just, I was leaving there not feeling like drained because we had a powerful session, but just drained because I felt more miserable. And I remember just saying like, I'm not doing this anymore. And I, and I stopped um, and I didn't find anything else. I, at that point I turned inward and I was like, you know what? You've got to figure this out. Mm. You have to figure out what's going to work for you. You have to start putting yourself first again. Mm. You've got to start getting physically active to stimulate this brain somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sleeping well. And I know myself like physical activity structured routine really helps with that. Just like our babies. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what am I doing to help my daughter? I started to do to help me. And I love that. I was journaling. Mm -hmm. I was working out. I was doing the things that filled me because any amount of therapy, coaching, whatever, wasn't going to help if I didn't know what I needed. I couldn't say to somebody like, this is what I need. So they could do all of the evidence-based practices. I needed to put the work in on myself and I needed to value myself enough to be okay with, she can cry for 25 minutes in the bassinet, in the stroller, 
while I work out. It, she is, yep. she's okay. She, I can she's see fed. her. She's fed. She's dry. She's clean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> check, check, check. <laughs> I'm good. And you know yeah. what? I'm going to be such a better mom in a calmer state. Yes. Once I do this. And that's really what I did. I developed something for me. I coached myself. I motivated myself. I put the little, you know, post-its around you've got this, it's going to be hard right now, climb that mountain, all of these things. And then I kind of got to the top at one point and it was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. We're okay. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. And still felt like how many moms out there right now are still at the bottom of that mountain. Tell me how far along or how old was your daughter when you felt like you got to that place? Oh, about 22 months wow. fully out of it because I think with anything in life you've got your own stuff going on right yep. and that's really what the postpartum period is that's the the hormones the mental health the emotions mm-hmm. but life was also happening around mm-hmm. me too things that I had no control over mm-hmm. and marriage challenges just mm-hmm. that we're new people now we're different right. people now work, life balance, the demands of just, you know, daycare and all, all of the things. So I think when that, you know, I started, I started to get to the top around like 18 months and I started to feel really strong, but then it was like 22 months. I felt like I'm back, I'm back. And I'm not the old me isn't back, but Mm -hmm. the new me is here. Right. I love and that. This is, yes. Yes. Like this is who I am now. I'm yes. I miss I miss that old Nicole. She was she was pretty cool. Um, but she isn't the one that's gonna take this person to the next level. And she's not the one that can foster this environment for her daughter. Yeah. So it was it was a while, you know, and then I got pregnant again. <laughs> <laughs> because why not? And you know, it is we are programmed to forget about right what we have been through because otherwise people would not keep having children and society would collapse. Yes. <laughs> and it's like who doesn't like a challenge, right? I went through that right. and I'm like let's see if we can do this again. Yeah. And I mean, it's different now at least in that that second time you're approaching it with knowledge that you didn't have and right. knowing that in addition to knowing more information, also knowing what you were capable of overcoming, you know, and having a path that you could possibly get through faster, or maybe you would not have the same experience, but why don't you tell us? (laughs) Yeah. So interestingly enough, I got pregnant my daughter turned one in January. um, I'm sorry, two in January of 2020. Mm -hmm. And I got pregnant in February. Mm. I was, yes, I was eight weeks pregnant at work, really sick. Um, And it was almost, it was so odd. I'm like, I'm having a boy this time. I'm having a boy. I felt so different. Everything was different. And I think I was just putting it out there, but I remember getting to work and I came out of the stall and one of the, my coworkers was in there and she's like, Oh my God, you look great. You know, you could tell, like, you've really been working on yourself. And like, in my mind, I'm just like, here we go. And (laughs) and I said, yeah. And she goes, we have like a stomach bug or something. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Because you're in that, that period, right. You don't want to tell. Right. And then luckily for me, a week later, everything shut down and it was like, go home. We're, we're working Mm. remote and we're like, what is this? So it was such a special time because that first trimester was really hard Mm. and I didn't have to hide. I didn't have to tuck it away anywhere. I was, I was home um, and had no idea what was to come. Right. And I think we, we can all fast forward through half of 2020 where the uncertainty, but I think I really developed um, anxiety Mm -hmm. during this pregnancy. And I didn't know that it was there, but it was, you know, because when you think about anxiety and even as a behavioral health professional, it manifests very differently for, for people. Right. So I wasn't like anxious about things, but I was just anxious in general. I didn't Mm -hmm. want people in my house. I was afraid Mm -hmm. I was going to the doctor's appointments, face shield on. I mean, you were working during this time, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. And and I was pregnant. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) With an N95 and a mask on top and a face shield on top. (laughs) 
<laughs> and we have no idea, right? We don't know right. what this is doing to us, let alone our unborn children. Right. And then you have children at home too, that you're yes. worried about all of this. So right. I definitely developed the anxiety during that time. And again, hindsight is twenty twenty. So mm-hmm. I know that I was predisposed during this, this pregnancy, but I was ready. I'm like, if, if I start to experience signs and symptoms postpartum, I'm calling this person, I'm getting this person. And I already found a therapist that was vetted through postpartum support international. They had been trained in perinatal mental. I'm like, this is, I've got it. I've got it. And you know, life always has a really interesting way of reminding you that you don't. So, <laughs> right. Oh, that thing you there was that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, mom. We got a new challenge for you. So my, my son was born. It was a it was a scheduled C-section. Everything went well. He was healthy. We were all healthy. We came home and then about seven, I'd say about the seven week mark, he started crying one day and never stopped. And mm. the nightmare of colic disrupted our family. And I won't even say it disrupted our family. It disrupted me because I felt like my two and a half year old was like, well, like babies cry. Right. I'm at daycare all day. Babies are crying. Right. My husband was at work all day. Um, so he didn't have to deal with it, but it really, really destroyed my psychological state. And I never would have imagined <laughs> the feelings of anxiety, the lack of sleep, and mm-hmm. what that really does to somebody like yes. as a, as a parent, you're used to this disrupted sleep and dysregulated sleep. But even when I was exhausted, I could not sleep. And I never experienced that before. I had been so tired where I had fallen asleep holding a baby, mm-hmm. but I could not actually shut my brain off. And we had lots of doctor's appointments and I was going down that, that rabbit hole of like colic and take him to a chiropractor. Um, he probably has a lip tie. Like, Anything and, I, and everything I, you can yes, grasp I, onto. Yeah. If you were somebody desperate. would have shown up here and, and told me to like lick this, like it probably <laughs> would. Res- I, I was so desperate. So in a rational mind yeah. at that point, right? Because I'm not sleeping. Nothing is going right. well. And my husband, thank God, listened to me from the first time. Like, this is what was going on. This is what you could mm. look for. We talked about it. Mm. And he was like, so when I get home from work, I'm going to cook. I'll take the baby. I'll take our daughter. You go lay down. And I'm mm. like, yeah, that's fantastic. I can't sleep though. Like I would get in there yeah. and I'm like, what if he starts crying? Or what if my husband burns the house down? Or what, you know, the irrational is that anxiety. Yeah. All mm-hmm. start coming in. But my husband was, he was phenomenal this time around. He would have been the first time too, if I told him. Yeah. And he didn't happening. know. Yeah. And you but both this time he knew. Didn't know. No, but this time it was like, we're not okay. Um, we had the conversation. He's like, maybe you should stop nursing because mm-hmm. I wasn't sleeping. So there was the stress of, you know, I'm not producing enough. And I'm right, like, but right. the money we have to spend. And he's like, Nicole, like, I want to make sure you're okay. Right. So he was, he was functioning on maybe a solid four hours every night. Um, and then driving an hour into the city, taking our daughter to daycare, working all day, coming home. Um, it was, it was a really hard time. And I think we made the decision to send my son to daycare at, I think he was nine weeks old. And this is what a supportive partner looks like. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this later on in this episode, but I just want to mention how she, through the relationship and the communication that she and her husband had had was able to also show him, okay, this is how, you know, I need help when I am not at a point to say, Hey, I need help. And her husband also from experiencing and having that shared experience with her before was able to say, okay, I recognize that she needs help. So it's great when you have, you know, if you know your own personal cues, your self cues for when you need help, but if you have somebody else that you're able to educate or knows you well enough to have gone through the experience with you and also recognize, okay, you need help. And I love this example of just how they worked together to make a decision that benefited her and him and the rest of the family. 
it was like one of those moments where it's like, I need help, but I'm afraid mm-hmm. to have anybody in my home because mm-hmm. COVID and people couldn't travel. People weren't coming down. So I had to get creative with my village and my village was my daycare provider that had my daughter since she was 11 weeks old. Mm-hmm. And I remember she calling rested. her. Yes. Mm-hmm. She was like a surrogate grandma. And I called her and I was crying and I said, I, I feel so guilty and I can't. And all she said was, bring me the baby. Mm, bring mm, me the baby. Mm, mm. I feel chills. <laughs> I know because it was just what I needed to yes, hear, right? Because yes. I'm thinking she's going to say like, he's only nine weeks. Like you should be able to, she said, bring me the baby. And when I got there, she had food and she had food from two of the other moms mm. from daycare that they had made like some stews and things. And I dropped him off and she said, now go home and get some sleep. Mm. And you know, like I got a tear coming out of my eye. I know because (laughs) you're just like, there are really good people in this world that care. Right. So I, I would go home every day and I would sleep. I would, I would go home every single day and I would sleep. And I was just surviving at this point. Right. And Mm -hmm. my mom called one day and I told you about my mom and she's a rock star. And she said, you know, maybe you should get up and go for a walk or maybe you should get a workout in. And, And I'm like, do you know, like, I'm not sleeping. Like he cries all night and he cries. All night. And she was worried. She was worried that this was going to start again. Right. And the moms know. Yes. They know. She, she was like, listen, just try this. And I'm like, oh, whatever. And I got off the phone with her and I was annoyed. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go try to work out. And I was nine weeks postpartum mm. died for like a 25 minute workout. But afterwards I took a shower and I sat down and had breakfast for the first time in six weeks. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that was the first night that I fell asleep. Mm. So I was like, you know what? Maybe you're onto something here, mom. So <laughs> that became my habit. He would go to daycare. I would come home. And instead of judging myself for not being able to take care of my son. Yes. I poured into myself and I started to recreate another new version of me of during this time. And not the old version because you're not that same person. You are now Definitely a new not. person yep. with new responsibilities and new capabilities. Yep. Yep. And I we built that. that version. We built that version of me again, the enhanced version of a mother that now went through postpartum, survived it, dealt with colic and the postpartum anxiety and we survived it. And now we're definitely going to start doing something to help other moms because by the grace of God and my family, I got through Mm. what I got through. Mm. Yes. And you recognize sooner this time and you had through that previous experience, you had had the conversations to help build up advocates around you who could advocate for you when you weren't seeing yourself, you know, because you're just so caught up in going through things. So where did the therapists and mental health professionals play into this experience with the second? So this one, I found a strong therapist. Um, And I, for me this time, it was like, I wasn't in a good enough I don't know how to really say it, but I wanted therapy to be beneficial for me. I didn't yes. want it to be the, the quick fix or what I turned to. I wanted to help myself again because mm-hmm. I could rely on myself. Now I knew what I was capable of. So I, I did that work on myself again and got myself kind of out of that, that dust. So about 10 months in 11 months in, I said, okay, now I want to talk to somebody about maintenance. Like, how do I maintain this? Because I'm not having another baby. (laughs) We're we're done here. So how do I continue to take care of myself? And I found a therapist that was trained in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, Mm -hmm. connected with her and was like, hey, this is me. This is what I'm looking for. Can you help me? She said, let's have a virtual meet. I think it's, it's good to find out if we connect before we commit to anything. That's great. And right there, I liked her. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I like this. Mm-hmm. We signed on for the first session. She was like, this is what I can help you with. This is what I see with you. Let's draft up a little bit of a treatment plan. And I was like, okay, this is what I know therapy to be. And 
we worked together for maybe four months. Um, and it was good because what it was, was it was an enhancement to what I was already doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I said to her, like, I'm not interested in medication. I'm really just interested mm-hmm. in like working through some of the resentment that I had from the first baby mm-hmm. and not letting it come into this one because those feelings were still there again. I think I worked on myself and got healthy, but I was still having some of these thoughts and these feelings around like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. My husband was still working a lot. Like these children became my life. My whole world changed and revolved around them. And for him, it felt for me, like they just were an addition to his life. Right. I think the other part, and I love that you are talking about your husband and his role. And these are conversations I have with my husband as well. And with my patients and friends about their husbands um, and their part, and we'll say partners, because it might not be a husband. They often don't know how to involve themselves with the baby, especially in those first few days and those first few weeks, especially if you are nursing, you know, then they don't know what to do because really in those first few weeks, the baby is nursing or sleeping (laughs) and there's really nothing in between and the baby is nursing so frequently so that the baby is with you frequently and then you look over and the partner is just like I don't know what to do I'm just going to either try to help and do some things but I don't want to get in your way or I'm just going to keep like doing the things that I always do until you tell me like you know and And I think that's very hard for them because they want to bond too. And they're usually just waiting for that time to pass. So I love, you know, you just kind of talking about your husband through this, because I think he is representative of so many of our partners. They were like, I want to help you. I don't, you know, I'm going to help whenever I can, however, I know how to help. Um, But in that beginning with the baby, they they just don't know their role or the best role that they can play. Yeah. And I encourage people to just say what you need, because there's those schools of thoughts, right? Women say, well, I shouldn't have to tell my part. Listen, I'm from the school of, if I want it done, I'm going to tell you explicitly what I need. So there's no confusion. And Mm -hmm. when I had my daughter, she, like most babies was born with, she had jaundice, a little bit of jaundice. They, the directive we got was feed her every hour on the hour for two days, like to make sure she's getting enough and we can flush it through her. And I remember looking at my husband and I'm like, I've been awake for like three days in labor. How, how are we going to? And he said, you pump, we'll use formula. We were never against formula because Mm -hmm. of the mental health benefit. Right. Mm -hmm. And he took the night shift for that first week. He, I slept on a recliner um, Mm -hmm. downstairs and he took her upstairs and set his timer for every 45 minutes. And he would just kind of, like you said, it was like awake, eat, sleep, awake, eat. And he did that. And so when my son was born, it was the same thing. Oh, he has a little bit of jaundice. This is what my husband's like. Oh, we got this. We, we got a schedule. We got, you know, and it was his way of like, Nicole, get some rest because I know that nursing, I know that pumping is going to take so much out of you. And now we have another child right. that is still here. And he did that. He took the night shift again, but it was like, we had those conversations. Um, and my husband, thankfully too, was a father before we met. He, he has a son, a a 19 year old son. So he's been, a, he's been a dad for a little while. So, yeah. but what I appreciated too, was he never asserted that he was never like, this is what we need to do because this is what I did. He always let me make the first move. And then he was there to either, you know, catch me when I fell or let me lean a little bit, get some rest. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have a good partner, you have a good life because you really do go through some real stuff. Um, with these babies and it'll test you it'll test you every single time (laughs) yes and as they get older too there's all new challenges but I feel like when you make it through that and that was one of the things my therapist if I took anything from her and I took a lot but she said you will be so much stronger when you fight these challenges together yes instead of fighting each other against the challenges and yes. I remember hearing that and I was like, oh, she doesn't, and I'm like, oh my God, she's right. She was right because I was hanging on to a lot of stuff because for some reason I felt like I needed to, I, I was still mad at him for a lot of these things that mm-hmm. he didn't even know existed. Yeah. Well, that's and that analogy- single 
you know, you, these separate yous coming together, yes. but like, yeah. Yeah. And I was carrying this, I called it this bag of resentment. And it was like all of the things that I, I held on to when I needed to take care of myself. And now I'm still carrying this heavy bag and I don't need it. Mm-hmm. So just weighing you down. It, yeah. <laughs> I just decided one day to put it down and never look at it again. And I walked away from it. And that was like that release, right? That, that metaphoric, like whew, weight lifted off my shoulders, but it's all about the conscious choices you make to take care of yourself, to take care of your family. And I left guilt in that bag too, because mm. I don't feel guilty about the decisions I make that benefit me, that therefore trickle down to everybody else in my family. Mm, I love that. That's, and that's so true. I know that moms and new parents and birthing people listening to this are like, yes, yeah, so write that one down. That bag of resentment that she mentions is so real. I have seen so many patients and have had conversations with so many friends where you're just holding on to that resentment because what you see is your partner's ability to continue to prioritize themselves and your inability to prioritize yourself. And once you start to prioritize yourself, then that bag gets much lighter, almost to empty. And you are better able to come together and face the issues that confront you. It is so much better when you are working together as a team to address that issue. It is much harder when you are working together as two separate people who have your own conflict than also trying to deal with this issue. Excellent point. Okay, so can you tell me from that, and there are so many great nuggets here. This is such a great conversation. I feel like I can already hear us having this podcast again. (laughs) Yes, yes, (laughs) absolutely. Um, But then, Tell me, how did you, or tell me about Kumi training and development that's kind of come out of this. Sure. Yeah. So I I think, like I had said, realizing that there was a gap in these services, I'm seeing my OB 15, 20 minute visits, not a lot of time to get a lot of information in, right? And there wasn't like a connected resource. It was kind of like, I saw my OB, I was getting lots of love, lots of encouragement, the physical And then I was just kind of left with this baby and no support, no guidance, no motivation. And as I had mentioned earlier, I kind of coached myself out of this, this fog, this anxiety and depression that I had experienced. And I thought to myself, I can do this for other people. And I want to do this for other people. And that's where my pivot into maternal mental health came. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't enough for me to just have the lived experience. I went through postpartum support international and I got trained intensively on perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Um, I'm sitting for a certification exam Friday. So I'm really Ooh. excited for that. Good luck. But you got like, this. Thank I know you. Got you. This. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> it. It's like it's it's here, but it, it adds the value of lived experience and extensive training specific to this population. Mm-hmm. So I've started to coach new and expecting moms on their journey through pregnancy and beyond for all of the things that we're not getting the education, for the books that aren't written about what to expect mentally and emotionally, taking my experience, my knowledge, and providing that to another mom that's untethered, as Mm -hmm. I had mentioned earlier, not knowing what's going on. And I really focus on preparing through education and awareness and validating mom's experience Mm -hmm. without the shame and judgment that tends to come from our community. Mm -hmm. Because we have our sisters, we have our moms, we have our friends, and there's always that fear of judgment. Mm -hmm. And that's where I found, I mean, I created perinatal transitional coaching isn't an actual thing, but it is because it's something that I created to help moms transition Mm -hmm. effectively and safely into motherhood so that they can have the experience they desired and that their families can have that experience. And I think that's the important thing too, because when mom's not okay and mom's not taken care of, the entire family suffers that mm-hmm. fate. And we know that there's minimal risk and we know that there's maximum risk. Um, and it's so much easier to have these conversations ahead of time mm-hmm. than waiting for mom to become unwell 
and then searching for these resources that don't really exist. Right. So my goal was to simplify that for moms. And I feel like my, the hard part for me was finding something when I wasn't in the right state of mind and scrambling and trying to figure it out. So I've created courses that take that legwork out the course, the whole mom that I have for, for new moms. It's seven Mm -hmm. modules of things in a digital format that mom can take at her leisure that help prepare her and educate her for some of the things she might experience after she has her baby during her pregnancy. Um, And some of the things she doesn't feel comfortable talking to people about. And I think one of the benefits of that class for me was when it's been shared with women, birthing parents, they also share it with their partner. Yes. That's great. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's not easy to tell somebody that you love that you're dying inside (laughs) that everything you wanted isn't what you want right now, or that you're not interested in having sex with them anymore, or that you're very interested in having sex with them. Mm-hmm. All of the things that we experience that we just don't talk about and don't even know how to put into words, I've encouraged people to share this with their partner. If you don't know how to have that conversation, watch this with them, or just give them the link and have them watch it on their own terms. It incites a conversation that may mm-hmm. not have come from this right right but also it helps you because when you do start to experience some form of anxiety or depression or challenges with your self-image you don't feel confused or lost you've had a little bit of education around that from this class Mm -hmm. so you know we take our nursing classes we see lactation consultants we do the Lamaze courses but we're not offering anything specific for the support of mom's mental health Right, And that was for me, the, the desire behind the development of this class. It needs, we need to fill that gap. We have to, because that's where moms are falling. There's that lack of connection. And then we're just leaving them out there in the universe to figure things out on their own. And not everybody has the support. Not everybody has the faith. Not everybody has the ability to pull themselves out of a really dark place. Right. But when we have resources, we have to start talking about them. And we, we can't be afraid to say, this is a course to provide preventative care for maternal mental health. We, yeah. can't, we can't prevent it. You know that. We can't prevent it. But we can right. absolutely reduce the impact that it's having on moms and our families. And Definitely. that's what I'm doing, one mom at a time. Because I don't ever want somebody to feel that alone, that lost, that scared when it's supposed to be such an amazing time in your life. Yeah. And I've, if they are feeling alone and scared, I want them to know that that's valid. And a right. lot of people feel that way too. It doesn't right. make you a bad mom. Right. Most importantly, I love that. Yeah. I want to know. So can you share with everyone where they can find the course that you're discussing and how they can connect sure. with you? Absolutely. So um, Kumi training and development.com, a simple Google search will take you to my homepage has a list of services, um, information about me, my training, and the course is listed there too. And that is called the whole mom. Um, I do it live quarterly um, so that people can kind of come in and have that interaction. It's still a virtual course, but people in that cohort have stayed connected to each other and it helps build like that inherent sisterhood community mm-hmm. that I'm looking for. I also realize how limited we are on time as moms. And sometimes people don't really want to be interacting with others. There's still that fear of shame, that judgment. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the digital format is something that can be purchased and watched whenever. Um, but those either one of those formats come with one free call with me to talk about how to prepare for the next steps, you know, challenges that you're facing, mm-hmm. anxieties that you're having. And after anybody that I work with, after they have their baby at the six week mark, I check in with them for one call to see how they're doing. And if they're not doing well, how I can help them find resources, um, finding those specialized therapists, linking them with somebody from postpartum support international and getting adequate services, because Mm -hmm. it's really hard to take care of a baby, take care of yourself and then 
find resources. Right. Um, so and- having that little piece, that care coordinator kind of person to really step in and absorb that is really beneficial. It makes a big difference. And then yeah. where can they connect with you? How can they, they connect, can connect with, you? with you? Anyway, you can a uh, simple Google search. <laughs> you can find me. Um, and I that's K-U-M-I, a- Kumi, yes. K-U-M-I. Mm. Yes. Um, Instagram is probably my highest one. And that's at Nicole underscore Kumi. Um, but you can, yes, if you Google me, you will find me. Um, I take emails, I take phone calls, I take direct messages because formats work differently for a lot of different people. Um, and I work non-traditional hours, lots of early mornings, lots of late nights and lots of weekends, because that's really where moms need the most support. And that's mm-hmm. really where our only free time, um, is. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Kumi, for coming on. This was a fantastic conversation. Um, I, I think that this is so important. It's something that I continue to talk about and keep the conversation going. And I'm yeah. so happy to have you as another resource, you know, for people to reach out to. And um, I think that what you're doing is so important. So thank you for coming on the thank show. Thank you. Well, thank you for inviting me. This was such a wonderful conversation and necessary. And I really appreciate you providing the platform to have this conversation too. Very special. I hope you thoroughly enjoyed that conversation like I did. There were so many important points, so many things that I think new mothers, not new mothers and birthing people can identify with, that parents can identify with. And I encourage you, if this has been your experience, to listen to this episode with your partner for all of the reasons that we already mentioned. I do want to take a moment to discuss Postpartum Support International. That is an organization whose purpose is to increase awareness among public and professional communities about the emotional changes that women and birthing people experience during pregnancy and postpartum. They have support groups, they host events, they have trainings and courses. If you are interested in Postpartum Support International, you can go to their website, which is postpartum.net for more information. And with that said, I really enjoyed our conversation today. If you enjoyed this conversation, please head over wherever you're listening and leave a positive review. This is a great way for people to be directed to the show, to know that this is a good resource for them and that it will actually provide evidence-based information that they need. So that five-star review and a comment about what you enjoyed about the show would be great. And if you feel that something was lacking, reach out to me, connect with me. You can connect with me on Instagram at LadyPartsDoc, L-A-D-Y-P-A-R-T-S-D-O-C. You can send me an email at Dr. Hack, D-R-H-A-C-K at LadyPartsDoctor.com. And I respond to those for feedback. But All of the information is excellent and helpful. And don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the blog. I'm also on YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Twitter, but there are so many ways to connect these days. And I love connecting with you. We have such great conversations and it's great to keep the community going. We'll be back next week with another episode. And again, if you have any ideas, connect with me and let me know what you want to talk about because you drive the conversation. All right, until next time.